If the algorithm is always pushing danger in front of you, what's mm-hmm. that going to do to your oh body? Because yeah. go- your cortisol levels are going to skyrocket. Your adrenaline is going to peak multiple times and all you're doing is sitting in a freaking chair. <laughs> There, oh, there is no danger. There is no danger. There's no problem. And yet your body is uh, reacting as if there's a saber-toothed tiger right there ready to eat you. This week, I'm pleased to welcome back Tim Conley. He's a consultant, trainer, and business coach. And in my opinion, one of the best out there. The first episode he did on this podcast was one of the most popular ones, so I'm very excited to have him back again. This time, we're going into dangerous territory, and there's nobody I would rather go there with than Tim. So, here we go. Tim and me talking about things we shouldn't talk about, but really should. All right, let me hit you with a difficult question. I'm going to hit you with the hardest thing, the most difficult thing, stuff we shouldn't talk about. Mm-hmm. My first question I want to ask you is, what do you think about... No, I have to qu- uh, phrase the question carefully. What do you think about the stuff we shouldn't talk about today in terms of politics and media and social justice and all the things that the majority of people are upset about today? Uh, You know, the thing is, I don't think we should not talk about anything. Mm. But we live in a climate where you can't talk about most things. Mm. That's that's really where we're at. Uh, If you have a differing opinion than someone else, then what will happen is... Uh, especially if it's if it's against a very vocal small minority uh, mm. on the on the internet, uh, mm. it's not even like in the real world. Yes, but on the internet, then they'll organize uh, a you know a cancel uh, like a canceling event. Mm. They will try. They will uh, find out who you are. They will find out where you live, uh, who you work for. And then they will go after your livelihood because you disagree with them. Not because you're a bad person, but simply because you disagree. It is the worst form of authoritarianism that has ever existed on this planet. Wow. Okay, now you said a vocal small minority. So do you really believe it's a small minority? Yes, uh, they are. Uh, uh, it, it was something that uh, the founding fathers of the United States realized was that a small minority could uh, highly influence the majority. You know, they they set up a democracy uh, to prevent mob rule because they thought, oh, the majority will be able to overrun all the minorities in uh, in the country, mm. and that was their biggest worry. But they did understand that if you have a uh, a organized minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I'm saying minority, not as in skin yes. color or anything ridiculous like that, but as in like the actual numbers, number of people. Just math. Right. And 
that uh, that small minority, if organized, could change the direction of other people's lives. And we see it in the U.S. government where there's all sorts of lobbies that they come in and uh, they call them special interests here. Uh, And so they come in with their special interests and they get laws written that benefit them because they're highly organized and well-funded. We're starting to see uh, these authoritarians that have really started gathering steam together they're becoming highly organized and they are becoming well-funded. And those two things together are going to allow this small group of people to uh, to really do a, a significant amount of damage to society. Mm. Yeah, and the interesting thing is the internet now. And you, again, you specified internet because now the internet makes it seem... Like it's the majority, like because every day, right? We walk around, we we might see five, ten, twenty people, but if you go on the internet, it's magnified. Like the view of two, three people is magnified. Right, right. And if you understand the mechanics of the internet, you can magnify your voice um, a thousand, ten thousand fold. Because what I'm saying is I see a few people like that I speak to in real life who don't get out much, uh, if I can say it straight, who don't get out much, they're even more influenced by what they see on the internet because that becomes their majority. The minority voice, the, the, the small group that's right. speaking the loudest on the internet, that penetrates you when you don't have a wider scope. Would you say? Yeah, it's uh, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, you know, it's old programming uh, uh, speak, but it still it still makes a, a ton of sense. If you put in the wrong data, and that's all the data you ever get, what comes out of your head is uh, an interpretation of that garbage data. So, what's the solution? Uh, become a producer instead of a consumer. Great. Love it. Uh, it. Like everyone who's negative on the internet doesn't create anything other than hate. They, that's, the, that's their only production. And uh, they, they, uh, instead of uh, having the confidence and the strength to create something on their own, they spend their time trying to destroy what others make. Awesome. You're right. So become a producer. Start taking note of what exactly do you produce. And yeah, start with that. I think that's the first step. Yes. Uh, most people don't produce anything. You know, they, they exist. Um, and so they, they're just consuming whatever comes along. Mm. So And then some people start defining exactly what they want to consume. Yes. And uh, and then Facebook makes it even worse. Like if there's one, uh, there's a couple of things somebody can do to improve their mental health. One is don't use Facebook, and two is stay off uh, the uh, stay off the news. Mm. Like uh, it'll improve your mental health significantly. If you're on Twitter, uh, curate your Twitter uh, feed uh, to the point where you do not have negative people on your feed. 
Okay, you now will... I have again. Okay. I'm going to stay in a difficult area. Okay. You said make sure that we don't have negative people on your feed, but we just talked about the cancel culture. In their eyes, something else might be negative to what we see as negative. Yeah, they they do. They see anything that uh they don't agree with. Uh, and and it was changes on a near daily basis uh, because there's they, ah, there's no the they have they have no principles they have no uh, uh, they're nihilists uh, the, uh, these modern authoritarians are nihilists they do not have principles they do not have any direction they just want to destroy. And so whatever is the flavor of hate today is the thing that they focus their their energies on. And they're like, oh, we hate, uh, our group hates this today. And then they go off and they find people that uh, that they can reinterpret what they do as falling into that category so they have someone new to hate. Yeah, I was thinking about this, actually. Um, I like what you said about how, what's the latest thing to hate? Uh, just going back even a few decades, nuclear. I, I I was just randomly thinking about nuclear, how nuclear was a thing that so many people were protesting. And, <laughs> bef- and I remember when I was growing up, we had, just because I was a huge Michael Jackson fan, uh, I remember the song, We Are The World, and it was all about feeding, uh, you know, starving kids in Africa. Yeah. Especially Ethiopia, that was in the limelight. And it was all about... So, yeah, th- there's always things to protest about, right? There's always things to be upset about. You know, so there was... A, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Massive difference. Uh, the world... Uh, back in the 1980s, there was a massive a drought throughout, uh, throughout most of the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. And lots of people were starving. And the world came together yes. to try to solve it. Today, we have people who see a, uh, see what, uh, a problem in the world or what they perceive to be a problem in the world, and they go to destroy it. They don't go to fix it. They don't go to get a coalition of the world together to make things better. They go to destroy a massive, massive difference in the way uh, uh, that these two things uh, uh, were done. Mm-hmm. One was let's let's get everybody together, and the other is let's find an enemy. Do you think it's because back in the day, the negative people or the people who were not contributing to society, they didn't have a voice; they, they weren't heard. Right? They couldn't just jump on Twitter and make their opinions magnified. I, I, I believe that. I, like, I don't think humans have fundamentally changed. Like, I don't believe we've evolved that no, fast no. In, in a matter of uh, 30 years. That's obvious, um, yeah. Right? I, I, I don't believe that. But we do have technology that is magnifying the worst of humanity. So, like uh, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk likes to say that uh, that social media doesn't make things bad; it just magnifies who people really are. 
And to a certain extent, he's right. But when you have uh, programmers who are focused on getting people to pay, uh, stay on their platform so that they can make more money, Mm-hmm. And they are specifically writing algorithms that highlight the worst of things because mm-hmm. that's the things that keeps people engaged. It's taking advantage of how we evolved uh, for dangerous situations. A dangerous situation, we're high alert, we pay attention, our heart rate goes up, and we're like, okay, let's, let's get out of this danger. That's, that's how we evolved. Well, social media is specifically programmed and same thing with the news the uh, you know any kind of news whether it's print text uh, video audio the news is goes on that same principle if it bleeds it leads so mm-hmm. so they take advantage of the this evolutionary uh, uh, safety mechanism we have mm-hmm. which puts us on high alert anytime there's danger Mm-hmm. Well, if you're if the algorithm is always pushing danger in front of you, mm-hmm. what's that going to do to your oh body? Because yeah. your go- your cortisol levels are going to skyrocket. Your adrenaline is going to peak multiple times, and all you're doing is sitting in a freaking chair. <laughs> There, oh, there is no danger. There is no danger. There's no problem, and yet your body is. Uh, reacting as if there's a saber-toothed tiger right there ready to eat you. Mm. Yep. So again, I'll just repeat the solution, which is take note of what you're ingesting and take note of what you're producing. Start with start there. I think that's a good start. Uh, I'll, I'll go one step further. Oh. Don't just make a new note of what you're ingesting own make a plan to ingest only that that helps you create yeah 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 i mean but that's the next step though some people might not be ready for that if they because right now i feel like a lot of people are not even aware of what they're consuming they're just consuming it blindly just whatever's accidentally entering their brain so that's why the very first step step zero should be take note of what you're consuming only yeah, then de- like, definitely you know that'll that'll turn on your switch which is okay this is what i'm consuming do i really want to consume that the, uh, so one, one of the things that's going to prevent a lot of people from doing that is uh, other other people in their social circle who yes. will be like Great you're point. you're not informed yes it's like no you're not informed <laughs> you oh, don't God. know anything all you're doing is getting a constant stream of randomness, not even fact, because we've we've learned that the news all around the world is not fact, but opinion, and uh, or or if we want to be generous, narrative, and that's all we're getting. We're not actually becoming informed. Informed means you've learned something and you can do something. Yep. If you don't actually learn something new that you can then act upon, then you are not informed. And uh, again, I like you said that random. I think I think it's Marcus Aurelius. I think there's a line in Meditations where he said, "Nothing random. Don't take anything random." And the way I interpret that is, 
select, be selective. Like, don't take it randomly. Don't just take it because it's available. Like, choose it. Make a choice. If you if that's what you want, then choose it. But don't do it randomly. Right, right. And and then own up to your choice because most of the people who are consuming online. Uh, they don't take responsibility for what they consume. It's like eating a ton of junk food, getting overweight, and then saying it's not my fault. It's like, no, you chose to eat stuff that was bad for you. Maybe you didn't know it was exactly bad for you, but when you looked in the mirror, you should have kind of guessed that something wasn't right. <laughs> right? Uh, so, so this is... Taking responsibility is one of the main things that will improve a person's life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's why, one of the reasons why uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson became so famous around the world, because he was one of the few people just going around saying, you know, why don't you mm-hmm. just try to take control of your own life? Yep. Instead of going around trying to mess with other people's lives, why don't you just focus on getting your own house in order? Start uh-huh. with making your bed. Yep. Such a simple... I I love his book, 12 Rules. And even Dr. Jordan Peterson gets hate. So on the internet, anyone can be torn down. Just from him saying, hey, make your own bed first. I've seen, I've seen... Again, this is unhealthy. I shouldn't look, but I've seen people talk about, oh, that's your, that's your suggestion. Go tidy my room. That's your suggestion to save the world. And I guess they're not ready to hear it. It doesn't make sense to them. No, they're not. It's not that they're not ready to hear it. They don't want to take responsibility for themselves. Mm. So if they go, okay, I, I'll just, I'll just try it. Right. Mm. I want, want, I, like, I'm not a big fan of like morning routines and evening routines. Uh, I, uh, granted, I kind of live by routine uh, because uh, it really uh, develops your own creativity if you follow a routine. Mm-hmm. But most people really could use a morning routine and an evening routine, mm. maybe even an afternoon one too, because they walk around not uh, consuming constantly. And if you take action on, on little things, uh, have, uh, you don't have to make your bed. I'm not telling you to go make your bed, but have a routine that you do in the morning. You get up, you do a certain thing, a certain ritual that mm. prepares you for what you wish to be today. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that Jordan Peterson was trying to teach was if you just Start with something simple and you start gaining control over your life with something simple, something that's 100% controllable, making your bed. Because you walk into the room and the bed takes up so much of the, uh, the, room, the space in the room that if you make it, the whole room looks better. <laughs> so, then, so then that will make you feel a little bit better. Uh-huh. It'll make you feel a little bit more accomplished. And then, then the next thing is, okay, so I made my bed. Well, now after I had my breakfast, maybe I'll wash my dishes. Maybe uh, now I'll start doing a little exercise. Maybe I'll just do, you know, 10 push-ups or something. And, and then the next day I'll, I'll go for a, a, a walk 
for like a, you know, a 5k walk or something. And, and then, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, and then, then you start looking, it's like, oh, I stopped hating on the world because now I have control of my life. <laughs> yep. Something as simple and explicit as tidy your room. I've seen people argue against that. I've seen somebody, I saw this video, I wish I didn't, of this guy questioning Jordan Peterson. It's on YouTube and he's saying, is that really your solution? Just for us to tidy our rooms. And Jordan Peterson was like, saying exactly what you said. It's like, it's, it's about having a starting place where you can do something productive and be accomplished. And he, the guy didn't get it. He just didn't get it. He just refused to believe that tidying your room will help the world because they're looking at, they're trying to jump immediately to help the world before they help themselves. And, and exactly. And, and that's authoritarianism. Oh, is, how so? Uh, is that I don't have control over my life. So I'm going to control other people's lives. It, I, it, uh, to, to have a sense of control. Instead of doing something that is, is actually yeah. control, something that is actually controllable yourself. Mm. You know, that whole, uh, these are the same people who will quote, be the, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. Um, these are the same people who will tell you that you have to be different. You have to change, mm. but they themselves won't even tidy their room. Interesting. You're right. They don't want to take control of themselves because they're obsessed with controlling the larger world. Well, it allows them to have an excuse as to why they don't get their own shit together. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. busy saving the world. That's exactly. That's why my room is messy. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I think, you, I think that's a good point. I've been pondering this quote, and it's from two of my favorite people. Uh, probably my favorite person alive today is Charlie Munger. Okay. And one of my favorite pers people not alive is <laughs> Socrates. And they both have a similar quote, which is, um, Charlie Munger says, know what you don't know. Like, be aware of your circle of competence. And I think Socrates said, well, you probably know it, you know. All I know is that I, is what I don't know. So I wanted to ask you, how important is that? Do you think about that personally, like in terms of what you don't know? I'm a curious person, so I'm always out looking for things I don't know. If I find something like, oh, I don't know anything about that. And if I have enough curiosity about it, then I go learn something about it. Because I never know how it's going to affect me in the future. Like, oh, if I'm curious about this thing, knowing something about it might be useful in the future. And if it's not, well, then I'll probably uh, do really well playing Trivial Pursuit. Mm. Okay. Mm, what I'm thinking about is what you don't know as a flaw. So I guess my first question is, do you think not knowing something is a flaw? Yeah, it, it can't be. Because, yeah, because there's so much we don't know. There, it's, 
what we don't know is infinite. What we what we Excellent. do know yes. is microscopic. So it cannot be a flaw. Being ignorant is not a flaw. Mm, love it. Now that's a huge thing because I see a lot of people who are ignorant and they see it as a you know maybe they don't see it as a flaw but they're um, self conscious about it. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah, uh, I like I like we talked in the previous one a little bit about like being uh, what what forms in our early childhood and. I was teased a lot about not knowing stuff. I was wow. like the youngest think, person around. And so okay. I always, always had to know. And, and unfortunately, that created a terrible personality trait in me being a know-it-all. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I realized, like, as I got older, like, this is a terrible trait. This is not a way to win friends and influence people. And so <laughs> I... If I knew something, I knew an answer, I, uh, and I knew the people around me were saying the wrong things, uh, like they were just factually incorrect, I just would shut up uh, instead, of, instead of correcting them, which my original, you know, uh, because to me, knowing the, the facts were so important, and, and that was terrible. It was a terrible oh. way to go through life. Being like right that. is not uh, very useful. Oh, I love that. That's, that's awesome. That's an awesome quote. Being right is not very useful. <laughs> hmm, I got to think about that one. It, it, uh, being right is only useful in specific instances. And that's, I think, where Munger and, and uh, Socrates were, uh, were focusing on. It's like, if you know what you're competent at, you know what you're right at, uh, it, it's only in a small segment of your life that it's even useful. Mm. All the things you so don't know uh, is where you just navigate, and yeah. and it and it kind of goes back to like the uh, the authoritarians we were talking about, yeah, they're where they're going, they're right? They're immensely convinced that they're right, even though like the day before they probably didn't even believe what the thing that they're espousing is. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, th before before that information was accidentally fed into their brain. Right. right before they were aware of it, and then all of a sudden they are one hundred percent certain that their viewpoint is so right that mm -hmm. it's worth uh, throwing Molotov cocktails at uh, <laughs> cops. Uh, oh, it's worth uh, uh, harming other people. It's worth uh, removing people from their jobs, removing their livelihood. Like they like. That level of certainty is uh, is religious fanaticism, mm. and that is clearly um, not knowing that you don't know. Yep. Yeah, you know, if if you make if you make deductions, if you if you're certain about things, then that's when you 
should start being careful because then you, you stop questioning and you stop seeking. Um, yeah, I, I, I think for the most part, but uh, one of the things that humans are very good at is shortcuts. Like we, we, live, we live our lives on shortcuts. So you, you should find certain things that you can be certain about mm-hmm. so that you can get through your day. Uh, and and yes. like for me, developing principles and, uh, and a level of consistency in my life, like uh, to be able to know what I stand for and what I don't stand for, it, uh, so that when something comes along and I'm like, is that right? Is, is that, is that, and, and right being, is this beneficial? Is this beneficial to me? Is it beneficial to the greater good? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it like, I, and, and I can try to evaluate it. And mm-hmm. if so, if it's like, this is morally right, then, then I'm like, okay, that fits inside my principles. If it's ambiguous, it's, it falls in the gray, which nearly everything falls into a gray area. Then I'm like, okay, I don't have to uh, adhere to this, uh, to this new mantra. Like I do not have to bring that into my life because it doesn't fit into my principles. Mm, I love it. To me, it's, it's working like a scientist, you know, like evaluating and testing hypotheses. For example, going back, if I make my bed this morning, if I tidy my room, do I see a change in my day or in my week? You know, and, th- and that's how I see, that's what I see as a science. Like I'm actually testing. Right. And the answer is yes, I do see it. If I, I, I really do see it. If I make my bed seven days in a row, I can guarantee I've had a great week. I can test it. Yeah, definitely. The, like the scientific method is incredibly powerful. And can be used for a lot. Um, Just if you're if you decide I want to improve my health, you can you can do so. Like you can you can follow a structured path to do so. If you want to improve your mental health, you can follow a structured path to improve your mental health. If you like ever like everything in most things in life, I, I was about to say everything. Most things in life can you can do that with, but then. There's this, um, there's this uh, magical place inside the human inside the human mind that science can't touch yet. You know, it's kind of a mm. god of the gaps. Yes, there's there's a place in our in our brain we call it spiritualism. Uh, yes. You know, uh, 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 religion stems out of this out of this place. The mm-hmm. belief in magic, the belief in uh, uh, all powerful beings, uh, these that that special place in in our in our brain uh, that when we look at something different and unique, and we're filled with awe, like that that spot, the scientific method is probably not going to help you so much. But be because you're not going to be able to measure it, you're just going to be able to feel it, and mm. and so for me. And I don't know if anyone can tell. You know, I, I'm I don't believe in any of those things. For me, the the natural world is so magical all on its own that I don't have to believe in anything extra natural. 
you know, the, uh, to believe into the, in the supernatural, I don't have to because what I see around me is so magical all on its own that I, I have found a level of uh, spirituality, if, if we can even use that word, in the natural world itself. So you're saying you don't believe in the spirituality? That's Not at all. Okay. Okay. Good. It's a it's a physical it's a physical function of our brain. Yeah. Right. But those feelings feel like they are like they are real. Like they like they have magic. They they feel supernatural. So it's like what what is that? Like uh, that the the consciousness the who we are as as individuals like what is that because we are different we are uh, separate from one another we know this yet we also feel that there's some sort of uh extrasensory perception that connects us all yep we feel that but i think uh i've recently gotten into brian green i'm not sure if you're familiar with him no, I'm not. He's a scientist. He's a physicist. And the, he, he says um, the universe is just physics organized. It's just particles that have organized themselves in a certain way. And that's all it is. There is nothing magical. There is nothing extra. It's just they can explain. He's a string theorist. And he can explain every particle, why it behaves that way and how it behaves that way. And all we are is a collection of those particles. So if you go down right. to that level, you will see that it, it seems like magic when they come together. But when you look at one particle on its own, they can see exactly how and why it behaves that way. <laughs> uh, but at some point, they can't. And that's what's interesting. They're almost there. They're, they're really okay. close. Uh, so you start this, uh, this particle has no consciousness. Right. This one has no consciousness. Right. We add a trillion of these po- particles together and then all of a sudden, there's consciousness. Yes. Well, that's what we call consciousness. But again, this is a word that we're labeling. What we're, we call we're, consciousness, we're, all it is, is these group of particles create a thought that questions itself. Which, which is that bit of magic. It's that part where no one particle in us is aware. But when put in the right combination, we're aware that we are particles. Like that, yeah. that awareness, because like you remove one particle, doesn't change. Remove another, doesn't change. Oh, I know, I know. Right? But then, but then at some point... You've removed a particle and it does change. It's called death. Like uh, at one point it's there and then it's gone. So there is something there. Uh, what it is, it's physical. It, like I, I, I'm not doubting that at all. But when in, in the right combination, it creates something very special. Hmm. But I wonder if 
if this will become clearer, if we, we can actually localize those particles to one organ, right? It's just the brain. It's only the brain. Because if you think about it, right, if, can you cut off your whole leg? Yes. Can you cut off both legs and replace them with mechanical leg? Yes. Can you cut off arms and replace them with mechanical arms? Yes. Can you replace your heart? Yes. Can you replace... Yep. So if you keep going, you can remove everything and it will still be you. That's the yep. key. You're still you, right? I can. <laughs> so as long as I keep the brain and I place it into a robot, that's still me walking around. Yep. And then, and then you, if we figure out that magic of consciousness, then you could put it in, you could put that consciousness into a machine mm -hmm. and you would still be you. Right. So that means there's no magic. It's figureoutable in the way. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. It, that's why I said it's like the God of the gaps. Uh, we don't know what it is. Uh, and, and right now, it's just fun. Right now, it feels so special. It feels so special to be us because we don't know. We don't know how it functions mechanically yet. So then we can, we can speculate, we can uh, uh, believe in magic and Harry Potter and stuff like that. Mm. Man, I love this. We're, we're getting so philosophical. <laughs> I want to bring it a little bit. Um, I want to close this part. You'll have, to, you'll have to edit this whole thing so it all makes sense. No, it's, it, it's, it's going to make sense. And it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's fine. Um, on the subject of knowing and not knowing, like when it comes to our brains, do you think we know when we're off base? Like when there's something really off, let's say for lack of a medical term, crazy. Like, how do I know if I'm crazy or not? Like, do crazy people know they're crazy? I think, I think a lot of people do. Uh, there, uh, uh, you can look at interviews of uh, people with schizophrenia uh, who would be deemed like crazy, right? Because they're walking down the street talking to like four or five people who aren't there. Okay. Right? In, in their moments of clarity, they know it. Ah, like it. Right? Uh, people with Alzheimer's, in their moments of clarity, they know it. And yes. they're afraid and they're scared and then it's gone because who they are disappears. And so crazy people aren't 100% always crazy. Yes. So, so when they're lucid, they understand it. That's what, the key, isn't it? It's yeah. to grab that moment whenever. So maybe... Looking at the rest of us, maybe we don't walk down the street screaming at four or five people who are not there, but we might have a certain level of uh, just unhelpful behavior, right? Yeah. So when you have a moment of clarity, the key is to write stuff down, to make a note to yourself. This is what I want. This is where the principles come in. This is how we connect everything. So the key is to to remember what it is you want to remember while you're lucid because once you go into the crazy zone it might help to have that anchor to come back to 
I, I, I think so. Uh, so uh, the reason I uh, chuckled was that uh, you were saying, you know, we may not go down the street yelling at a dozen people, but we'll get onto Twitter and yell at a dozen oh, people. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. right? Those people aren't there. The, and some of them are probably bots. They're not wow. even real. <laughs> so, so you are functioning as a schizophrenic if you are having a conversation with people who aren't real. So you're in a, you are being crazy. Your, your actions are crazy. So you need that, those moments of lucidity. Uh, and that's why I say stay away from social media. Like I only use social media as a promotional tool. I don't, uh, I don't use it to consume. To yeah. Because, uh, to consume because of how toxic it is. Mm-hmm. And and uh, know uh, knowing that I could be on Twitter and I'm you know conversing with somebody, and it may not even be a human being, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be some someone who's just trolling. They've mm-hmm. got thirty accounts, and and you're having a conversation with thirty people. You think, and it's one person just trolling, mm-hmm. uh, and. And that knowing that that is a thing should let you know, like, oh, am I being crazy right now Uh, by participating in in a thing that is designed to make me crazy as opposed to being lucid? Yeah, and I'm just really excited about the cure, even though it's obvious but that's fine. This is noticing the obvious. The cure is just grab those lucid moments, right? Like that's that's what's helped for me personally. When when I started journaling, when I started writing things down, even when I started the podcast, when I when I record thoughts and ideas, they're trapped and they're captured, and then I come back and review them. It, it's such a huge help instead of just you know just getting carried away with everyday activities. And not having right. any track. I, I would say uh, that that lucidity, like you're, you're journaling and you and and you are writing down certain thoughts, mm. finding finding your principles, uh, finding mm. what you actually want. I, that's one of the main things I do with all my clients is ask them. Well, so what do you want? And no one can tell me what they want. Exactly. You think they it's the most obvious question. Yeah, uh, they can tell me what they don't want. And and so the first thing I, I have them do is start looking at their ideal life. Like, wh- how do you want to spend your days? Like, is is arguing with random randos on Twitter the way you wish to spend your day? If you, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I like it. And that's all I want to do. If I could make money yelling at people on Twitter, I would do that. Then great, go after that. Yeah. But if that's not how you wish to spend your life, if you don't want to spend your life being angry at the world, if you want to spend your life loving life, loving the people around you, then you can evaluate what you journal, uh, the way your day has uh, has proceeded based upon that principle. D- uh, if you uh, l- can look at your day and go, did this fulfill my perfect day? 
And if the answer was no, it's like, what can I do about that? Yep. Now, um, just to wrap up, you talked about your principles a few times. Could you leave me with one or two of your top ones? Like, what are the ones that you always remember that come immediately to mind when you think of Tim Connolly's principles? Is this, is this good, bad, or neither? Hmm. So you always remind yourself to ask that question. I, I don't have to anymore. Uh, I, cause I just live it. You know, I taught nice. my daughter, my daughter's 20 and ever since she was born, that's been a principle that I've taught her. Uh, is this good? Is it bad? Or is it neither? And, then and you can act accordingly. And, and you can act accordingly. And, and so all, uh, and, uh, that, that I think is really powerful for a lot, I think could be used by a lot of people because there, there is very few things that are actually good. There are very few things that are actually bad and most things are neither. And, <laughs> and that was the, I, I, you know, I guess that was my way of uh, simplifying Viktor Frankl, uh, you know, for man's search, uh, search for meaning yep. is, is that you give, you give meaning to things and you give it a meaning of being good. You give it a meaning of being bad, uh, as opposed to actually identifying, is this good and act like literally good? Uh, mm-hmm. and is it bad as in literal bad? And, mm-hmm. And most things are neither. Very few things. Uh, uh, I would say that there's actually uh, only a small number of good things and, uh, and a slightly larger number of bad things. And then everything else is neither good nor bad. It's only the meaning in which we give it. Wow. Do you care to put a number on it in terms of percentage that adds up to 100? What percent <laughs> is good, what is bad, and what is... I would say, I would say, uh, uh, 0.4% is good. 0.6% is bad. And 99% is neither. Wow. Because there's, there's a great book by this guy, uh, Stefan Molyneux, uh, on, um, oh, I can't even remember the title now. It's universal, um, uh, it's something, uh, the philosophy of a universal um, beliefs or universal morality. Somewhere in my house, I have the book. I haven't read it in years, but it's uh, that. That's a great book for for I uh, uh, for figuring out what's good, bad, or neither. Because is it universally good? Uh, most things aren't. Uh, is it universally bad? Most things aren't. So you can identify bad things easier than you can identify good things. Uh, because you can say, would this other person want me to do this to them? And if the answer is yes, well, then it's probably good or neither. Uh, if the answer is no, then it's bad. Stealing. Other person does not want you to take their stuff. <laughs> that is so it's you it's uni- stealing is universally bad uh doesn't mean people 
don't steal, it's, but the other person doesn't want it to happen to them. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's bad. Uh, if everyone in the world didn't care if you took their stuff, there'd be no such thing as stealing. So then stealing would just be good uh, or actually neither because no one cared. Mm. Uh, then murder, like killing somebody. Does the other person want you to kill them? <laughs> no, they don't. So killing other people is universally bad. Uh, and so you can, if you look at the stuff that people get angry about, and it's like, is this good or bad or neither? And and you're going to realize that it's it's not good or bad. And you mm-hmm. can, which means, should I even care about this thing? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I shouldn't. I should delete <laughs> it from my life and go on and and focus on the things that I actually care about in my life. Great. Really good. I mean, so I guess you, you could say the overarching principle there is label it, name it to tame it, instead of just getting carried away in the, with the content of the thought and the idea, just step outside and label it. Well, if you don't, you can't make it useful. So, so going back to like the like journaling and like principles, principles are not something you just say, I have. Mm-hmm. Principles are what you live by. And that is an, that's an action item. Like that's uh, principles, you act upon them. If you do not act upon them, then they are not principles. In, in our previous conversation, I said, about beliefs if if you if you espouse that you do not believe in gravity but you refuse to jump off a cliff then you believe in gravity so if you espouse a a, some sort of principle and then do not live by it Mm -hmm. then you do not believe that principle you do not have that principle okay so let's let's say Let's end it with somebody who, who's been living in a toxic world and who's been influenced by every random thing they consume. Now they've listened to us speak and then they've just made the decision, now I want to change. And I don't, and they just, in the last 60 seconds while we were talking about principles, they looked and they realized maybe I don't have any principles. So then the question is, is it possible to grab a principle like say borrow tim's principle and then start living by it even though i'm not currently living following that principle how do you make yourself how do you force yourself to adopt a principle you you could i don't think you should uh, uh i uh, i i talked to a guy who was the uh, the guy who taught uh, uh tony robbins on modeling and so the concept of modeling is you look at how other people behave and that you admire and you wish to behave like them. Mm. And, and so then you model yourself after them. And as you adopt those behaviors, you end up turning those behaviors into habit. Those habits become who you are. Um, modeling is 
is a way you can do it without needing to develop principles. Mm -hmm. What I did was I grew up highly religious and I was a true believer, but I really started questioning things because of what I saw around me. And, Mm -hmm. and so I went on a journey to find out who I was. And so then part of that was to travel the world. And I ended up going to places and people did things differently than I did. They believed things differently than me. There's a name for it. It's called culture shock. You go there and it it freaks you out. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do these people live like this? And you know, why doesn't Europe have peanut butter? Oh my gosh. Uh, It's like, you, you we have in. peanut butter. I know. Now you do. <laughs> now you do because uh, Europeans finally the realized complained. that. Yeah, I know. Because uh, you're like, oh, peanut butter is actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Why? Well, you guys don't have marmite. Uh, Get some marmite, and we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's. Uh, we go around the world. And so I started doing that. I started going around the world and I started a a spiritual journey. And the question that I started asking myself is, what of me is actually me? Hmm. And I found that almost nothing was me, individually me, that was separate from my culture, separate from my accident of birth, the Mm -hmm. where I was born on this planet, the language that I speak, the religion I believed, uh, all those things were were not me. They were a product of just yep. where I happened to be. Yep. And and so that started me on my journey to principles. So if you if you look at who are you, uh, you can start identifying what's really you, and then build from there. And when you realize how little of you is actually you, it's not your social circle, it's not your religion, it's not your country, it's not your language, it's none of those things. These are all the things that we were uh, inculcated from birth to give us tools to live. That's all they are. Culture, all language, all those things are simply a tool for you to live, for you to be you. And then you can build your principles from there. I like starting with first principles. Is this good, bad, or neither? That That's where I went. Like, I'm going to start from the bottom, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to work my way up to the complicated stuff. Mm-hmm. So I stripped away everything that was me and everything that wasn't me and found that I was left with almost nothing. Mm. And so, which is incredibly freeing because then I can start building a belief system a, uh, and principles based upon what I wish my life to be as opposed to living the one that everyone around me tells me I should live. Yep. I like that. And one of the things you said a few minutes ago, it falls into my principles, which is belief follows behavior. Uh, You didn't say it in those words, but basically start, if you want to believe something, start behaving because the belief follows. It's like, you know, what you said about the gravity. 
we can, in terms of people's beliefs, people can say what they want, but you have to judge people by how they behave. And the same for yourself. So if, if I want to believe that I'm a good person who's going to save the world, then start behaving. Right. Maybe the last example was bad, but whatever no, I no, want to believe. I, I think it is. Whatever uh, I want to believe I want to do, start behaving, start doing it. Right. And, and like, uh, if you want, uh, and, and I like that about if you want to be a good person in the world and, and then you measure it by good, bad, or neither, does another person like yes. being, does another person like being treated like the way I'm treating them? If the answer is no, then I am the one at fault. So uh, that uh, humans have this incredible capacity to turn every other human being into an enemy. Because then it allows us to be a good person. We get to be the good guy and they get to be the bad guy. And so we, and that gives us justification to do anything that we want. Can you just quickly tell me, what do you think about, because the thing that's happening right now is people, they're not directly involved. It's a third party looking at two other parties and seeing one person treat somebody else bad in their opinion, in the third party's opinion, and then complaining about that and just being really upset about that. <laughs> they aren't, uh, if they don't actually do anything about it, other than complain. Yeah, other, other than, than complain. Then, then they're part of the problem. So uh, if you see two people fighting... What do you do about it? Are you a good uh, you a good person if you walk away? Are you a good person if you intervene? Um, what level of intervention are you justified to provide? Hmm. Well, do you do you know? I suppose not. I suppose you if okay. If you what, just see what two if you, people What if you fighting? see a guy? Uh, uh, hitting an older woman in a wheelchair. Okay. Then I suppose you have the responsibility to intervene. A guy beating up an older woman in a wheelchair. And you come upon this scene. The obvious answer is to stop the guy from hitting the woman in the wheelchair. Correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there have been multiple situations where this actually happened in real life. One, the woman, the woman had a gun and was brandishing it at people and uh, was threatening to kill people. Uh, and she was in a wheelchair, had a gun. What? And the, guy, really the guy attacking her was trying to stop her from shooting right. people. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, then just recently in one Great of these example. riots here in America, an older woman at a store who was in a wheelchair got beat up. Turns out she was stabbing people with a knife. You're kidding. Okay. So you, when you are intervening, you have to understand what level of, of uh, intervention is necessary. And what so, qualifies so you? So you, you, what you would do is you would just try to 
stop the violence, not be violent to any of the parties because you don't know who the bad one is in the party. Nice. Right? Nice and simple. And you can do that when you're arguing on the internet. It's like, oh, can I tell who the bad people really are or am I just following a narrative? Am I, am I just following what seems like a, a brute beating up an older lady in a wheelchair? And if you cannot truly know, then you intervene as little as possible. Interesting. Yeah. Lest you become the bad guy. Cool. I'm going to let you get back to your day, Tim. I know it's early. Have you had breakfast yet? I have not. I'm a coffee uh, for breakfast kind of guy. That is not healthy, man. Uh, Well, it actually feels pretty healthy. I was able to do this. uh, You know, uh, millennials uh, turned skipping breakfast into intermittent Ah, fasting. Yeah, of course, intermittent fasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, so it's cool. Like, you know, drinking coffee for breakfast is cool these days. You didn't, you didn't get the memo. I know I did. I just forgot because I was thinking about how. Hey, this is a point we should discuss another time. There's always an opposing viewpoint to everything because i was thinking about breakfast is the most healthiest the most important meal of the day right and then just quickly about the morning routines i have two of my favorite people um mark cuban and tim ferris both have opposite morning routines yeah tim ferris says he wakes up and he does not touch the phone for five hours or whatever he meditates he drinks tea and then he just gets his body ready Mark Cuban, he says, I'm grabbing my phone before I get out of bed because I want to put out fires early. All the difficult things that the day is going to throw at me, I want to get them done before I get out of bed. And yep. they both make sense. And, and that's the thing. is, It's not what the morning routine is. It's that you have one. Yeah. And also the point is like there, there's, there's an opposing view to everything. And it might make equal amount of sense. Yeah. Uh, and if you, that goes back to the being good, bad, or neither. Yeah. Like, oh, they have an opposing viewpoint. Well, is it good, bad, or neither? Yeah. And it's yeah. probably neither. So just leave them alone. Yeah. So Tim's, Tim's morning, uh, Tim Ferriss' morning routine, is it good, bad, or neither? Well, it's good for him. It's probably neither for me. Mark Cuban's morning routine is it good bad or neither good for him it's neither for me so i can choose right what works for me yep cool thank you so much tim it's always always a pleasure oh thank you thanks for having me on i I don't get to talk about these kind of things uh (laughs) uh, with with anyone Uh, everyone always wants to just talk business stuff and and i like talking philosophy (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah. So how next about time? next? How about next time we uh, talk about uh, making money? Okay. Like if, if people want to learn about making money, let's talk about the philosophy of making money. Let's talk about money next time. That's a nice teaser. All right. Cool. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. That was Tim Conley. He's a mentor, trainer, business coach. You can find him at timconnolly.net. I'm Tan Lei, 
and this is Noticing the Obvious. Thanks for listening. Please visit noticingtheobvious.com for more episodes like this or to get in touch with me. See you next time.